Hello, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to Mickey Rock Talk. My name is Shane A. Bassett, your host, and this edition will cover Masked and Anonymous from 2003 and Legionnaire's Trail, better known in Australia as The Legion from 2019. Mickey Rock Talk is a podcast discussing the movies and career of Oscar-nominated American actor Mickey Rock. Well, what can I say? The podcast has only been going around a year and a half, two years, I'm not too sure exactly, but thank you very much for making it grow. There is obviously a lot of Mickey Rock fans out there or movie fans out there in general, of course. You are all my heroes because you love movies. Okay, so The Legion from 2019 is not a great movie. I'll just tell you that from the beginning and that's okay because, uh, oh boy, I'll tell you what. what. We have provisions for only two more days. If we don't get help, we'll die of starvation. You've been selected to deliver a message. What you ask of me is impossible. Possible or not. It's our only chance to survive. Over mountains, through forests, across the desert land. When you're a Roman soldier, you get used to your hardships. And what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. Rome and all her glory can burn in hell. Cling to the rock to cling to life. I have been always impressed by the willpower certain men exhibit when faced with an impossible mission. The lives of an entire legion depend on my success. Without fear, we are free. Well, there you go. There's uh, the trailer to The Legion. And apparently it's uh, inspired by true events. It's a true story. Uh, The movie opens in 62 AD, Syria, I think. I'm not too sure. There's a little bit of narration. There's a little bit of a scroll Uh, and, you know, the movie is all about a Roman running and running and running to deliver a message, and when he gets to his destination, does he get the response that he wants? Well, you're just going to have to watch the movie to find out, or not, depending on what you think when I finish describing a little bit about it. And, of course, we're going to focus on Mickey himself, Mickey Rourke. We first hear his voice mumbling away at the start, You kind of heard a little bit of that in the trailer. That's okay. He can mumble every now and then. I'm fine with that. Uh, We first see Mickey Rourke in the opening minutes, really pretty much when the movie begins. He plays General Cabullo. Hope that's uh, correct pronunciation. And he's talking to a white bust of Nero. He's consulting the bust and hoping for advice, maybe. A little bit hard to tell. They're having a good old one-way conversation. Uh, We catch up with uh, Mickey again in the 54th minute mark. And guess what? He's returned to chat with the bust. But now Nero is wearing a cape. Didn't notice that in the first scene. Yeah, I'm talking about the bust wearing a cape. 
107 minutes is when we next see Mickey. He is back, and this time exposing a manicured white-tipped hand, two hands actually, of acrylic nails. Yeah, looks like he's had his nails done. Look, maybe they did that back in those days. Who knows? Also, he's wearing an eye patch in this movie. And previously on an episode of Mickey Rock Talk, I said while I was talking about a movie called War Hunt, a more uh, recent movie. Well, actually, this is a recent movie too, but even more recent than The Legion. War Hunt, uh, he has a eye patch. And I asked in that podcast, had he ever worn an eye patch before? I don't think I'd ever remembered it. Well, you know what? I have seen this movie already. I've now seen it twice. And I'd seen it before War Hunt and I forgot that he has an eye patch in this movie. That's the kind of impression the Legion left on me. Anyway, I'm here talking about it and I sat through it twice. It definitely doesn't hold up a second time. But be that as it may, in this particular scene I want to take note of right now and let you know that it's quite emotional. It's very good actually. He has an eye patch, and it's up. Now, not too sure if the eye patch is there because he can't see, it's an injury, whatever the character's flaw is with the eye, it's actually up in this quite emotional scene. He give, Mickey's giving a monologue, and he's crying on cue, which I do believe the actor himself can do. I'm not sure. He's never told me. I haven't heard it in, heard it in uh, interviews or anything, but... Maybe I have a feeling that Mickey, when he's on set and he's in a scene where he has to cry, he just thinks about his history or his family or whatever it might be, things that have happened to him personally, and he makes him cry. And it really does work in whatever scene he needs to cry in because this particular scene is his best scene of the movie. He's giving his monologue. It's, it's, it's heavy. It's long. And he's crying right on cue. Another thing, though, which isn't quite as impressive is it reveals, with the eye patch up and the camera focused on his face, it reveals eyeshadow or fake eyelashes or both. I'm not too sure. They have long eyelashes too. And again, maybe this was a thing in Roman times. Who knows? I'm not a historian. And During another time, this time with his eye patch back on and he's got his right eye um, you know what? Is it his right or left? Not too sure. And that doesn't really matter. However, he's got the eye patch on in this scene. And unfortunately, you can see his... Well, you can actually see his pupil, his iris, whatever you want to call it, the eyeball, going left to right, left to right. He's reading his lines. I'm positive of this. I might be wrong but I don't think I am. I'm positive. Continuously on this extended loop of edits in this one particular scene, I think that the edits are trying to make you not notice it, but you can see the eyeball darting. It's just darting left and right. Uh, the camera angles to the side slightly, again, to try and put you off, but it's a cue card for sure. It's a hidden cue card for sure. I don't want to write off this movie completely because Mickey isn't too bad in it, but you know there are better movies with mickey rourke what is mickey wearing in this movie well his costumes consist of 
brown or maroon robes, golden sash, a black sash or belt, uh, this feather headdress helmet thing, uh, you know, like the Romans used to wear with a big brush on top, but it was like feathery, this one. He's not, he's not wearing it, he's just holding it. And the eye patch that I mentioned, a little bit similar to the one in War Hunt, actually. I don't think it was carried over. It might might have been. This, this eye patch might have been carried over to War Hunt. I don't know. Because it's black. Well, they're both black. And they've both got little gold, dazzled rim sort of things stuck on them. I have no idea what, how you describe it. Gold rimmed, in a way. Bedazzled, maybe. Anyway, they're black and gold. There's no smoking from Mickey in this movie. Uh, he has a presence, but only in that one particular emotional speech uh, is the most memorable Mickey moment, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, co-stars, well, I don't know any of them, really. I'm sorry about that, except Bai Ling. She's part of the Star Wars legacy. Uh, she was in Revenge of the Sith. She was a senator. Nixon, the great uh, Oliver Stone bio about uh, President Nixon. Starring, starring Anthony Hopkins. The Crow. Yeah, she was in The Crow. Sky Captain and The World of Tomorrow, which is an underrated film. It's from 2004 and it needs to be revisited. Bai Ling was in a Lost episode. Who could forget that? The series and that particular episode. And uh, quite recently, it was... Uh, I don't know why, but I actually laughed in it. I thought it was better than I was ever expecting. But there was a series called Barbie Rehab, and Bai Ling was in that. Quite funny. And there's another actor who you'll know his face straight away, and I'm going to butcher his name probably, Joaquin de Almedia. I don't know if that's wrong or right, but uh, he's in Desperado. You'll know him from Love Dream, this 1988 film that I enjoy with Christopher Lambert and Diane Lane. He's in Our Brand is Crisis, an underrated uh, drama with Sandra Bullock out of about 2015, I think that was uh, released, and he is in a Miami Vice episode, the series of Miami Vice that had Don Johnson and Philip Michael Thomas as the leads. Is The Legion worth watching? Well, maybe not. It's a bit horrendous, and although I've seen it twice now, hmm... Stick around to the end. If you haven't seen it before and you're watching it for the first time, stick around to the end. It's not that bad. It could be worse. Just do some things in between or I don't know. I don't know. It's just a, there's a guy running the whole time. Biling, I mean, she's only in the end sequence. I like her a lot in some ways more than others. She's gorgeous. Uh, she's got a striking hairstyle in this and a costume. She plays a mistress, so her costume is quite appropriate. And uh, the open set that her and Mickey appear in have, has like these furry lounges and beds and, you know, there's some fires burning. They could be real fires, they could be fake fires, I'm not too sure. There is definitely some fake fires at the beginning of the movie when they're in a camp. You can just tell outside the uh, tents that there are these just digital fires burning. It's just distracting, really. What else is distracting is the acrylic nails, the polished, perfect nails that uh, Mickey Rourke has as his character. Well, just be, just be prepared. It's no gladiator. It's no... It's really no... It doesn't even compare to a good Roman soldier movie at all. As I mentioned, also Mickey does mumble 
mostly throughout, and that's fine. I mean, doesn't that doesn't make or break a movie or or an acting performance? And he can only do what is put in front of him, right? He's pretty much no ad living here, I don't think. Uh, I like the fact that the forest that they film in, the location is quite familiar. I'm sure they've uh, filmed plenty of movies in this particular forest, wherever it is. Uh, apparently, the filming locations were Morocco and Spain and California, and I'm sure the California side of it was inside, in sets. Maybe they were in the California desert. I doubt it, though. <laughs> or forest? Who knows? Is there a forest in California? Maybe. Maybe at Burbank. Uh, the fake fire is really unexcusable. Why have it if it's going to look so bad? Just have no fires out front of the tents. The music. I quite like the music in it. And the Roman soldier running, well, he's a little bit like Forrest Gump, as I mentioned. He runs and runs and runs until he gets to his destination and then he may or may not be deflated. Is he a ruthless Roman soldier? He has a few fights. The choreography on the fights are terrible. Really, actually, uh, what can I say politely, but whoever choreographed the fights haven't done a very good job at all. A few swords flinging at each other and a few rolling around on the ground doesn't make for a good Roman fight. Forget about the Legion unless you're desperate and you are a diehard Mickey Rourke fan like I guess you are because you are listening. And Mickey, well, he has three scenes in it, particular scenes in that you're going to remember. One scene, yeah, maybe one's forgotten as well. Anyway, let's get on to a movie that's not that much better, I'm sorry to say, Masked and Anonymous from 2003, starring someone else who mumbles, not only when he talks, but when he sings, Bob Dylan. <laughs> Tied through my ears Rolling high and mighty traps Pounced with fire on flaming roads Using ideas as my maps We'll meet on edges Soon said I Proud neath heated brow Ah, but I was so much Oh my god, no, let it stop. Please make it stop. Oh, thank you very much, Bob. Uh, Masked and Anonymous, a movie that uh, went so much under the radar, very few, no, well, I was going to say nobody, but very few people actually know anything about it. And let me establish from the beginning of this rundown that Masked and Anonymous is a pretty ordinary movie. Uh, it's better than The Legion. But it is not much better than the Legion, uh, not considering the talent involved here. If you're a Bob Dylan fan, I would say you're going to enjoy it. If you're a diehard admirer of Bob, if you're a fan of his folk music, his talk poetry, his twanging style, his grating for your ears, I know it's ear poison, as you just heard, but uh, this movie is going to be much more appealing than the non-Dylan conformists like myself. 
There's also some weird unexplained moments that occur in this movie and I will say up front, I will talk more about them in a minute, but one in particular involving Ed Harris, yes, Ed Harris, the four-time Oscar nominee, Edward Harris, and there's another one with Val Kilmer, rivaling his oddball The Snowman cameo. Now, Val does say the title of the movie during his scene, and uh, that's something. Any actor, any character that says the title of the movie in the movie itself gets a green tick, and that's what Val Kilmer does. But he's an animal wrangler. I don't even think he has a name in the film. He's not credited with a name as far as I know. This was a period, 2003, where Mickey Rock movies were... I don't know, they weren't bad, but did people know that he was in these films? Once Upon a Time in Mexico, he popped up in that, a whole long, uh, alongside a whole s- slew of really cool customers. Uh, Man on Fire. Now, this is the highlight of this period. That was from 2004, Denzel Washington, of course, directed by Tony Scott. Incredible movie. Uh, 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 Christopher Walken's in it. Spun from 2002, which you can hear me talk about in a previous episode of Mickey Rourke Talk. Uh, that was 2002. Some places it was 2003. Some places it was not released at all. Spun is a knockout. In more ways than one. They're all good movies, though. They're all unique. And so is Masked and Anonymous. But sometimes not really for a good reason. I never saw the movie itself before this podcast. Never saw it at the cinema. I don't think it had an Australian cinema release. I had a DVD copy of it. I still do. That same one I watched for the podcast and I'd had it in my collection for a very long time, for multiple years, at least a decade. I would say maybe even more, but I just never bothered to watch it. But I chucked it on, play, press play, for this podcast and uh, Bob Dylan, well, he's not my music style of choice and I've already mentioned that, but I'm going to keep on mentioning it. But you know what, when it comes to Bob Dylan, I liked a movie he made called Hearts of Fire in 1987. It was kind of a vehicle for a would-be pop star at the time, rock singer, whatever you want to call her, called Fiona. Just Fiona. That fizzled out. However... Listen to who else was in that movie. Rupert Everett, legend. Injury, Tim Capello, legends. Tim, well, he's the saxophonist in The Lost Boys. Mark Rylance is in Hearts of Fire out of 87. Mark Rylance is now an Oscar winner and worked for Steven Spielberg on many occasions. Cree Sumner is in Hearts of Fire and she is a music genius in her own right but she's also a voiceover superstar. Just think of SpongeBob SquarePants and you think of Cree. And there's a Rolling Stone in Hearts of Fire. Ronnie Wood plays himself. Fun fact, if you haven't already heard my Nine and a Half Weeks episode of Mickey Rock Talk, I also mentioned that Ronnie Wood is in Nine and a Half Weeks and he also plays himself. So there you go. Two Mickey Rock films where Ronnie Wood appears playing Ronnie Wood. Is Bob memorable as an actor? Well, other than Hearts of Fire, and he had a lot of help around him in that, 
Not quite. He's definitely not as cinematic as David Bowie. Bowie did many terrific performances in a variety of different characters, time periods, genres. Bob is okay. He's doing his thing. He does his thing better in Hearts of Fire, but he's doing his thing in Masked and Anonymous, averagely. He pipes up in one particular scene, and it's worth noting what that particular scene and who he's co-scene actor fellow is in that scene. I'll mention that in a minute, who he's next to when he pipes up, because the rest of the movie, he's really not doing much at all, and he's just... Hunched, hunched and mumbling. I will mention, though, there's a movie called Catch Fire from 1990 that Bob Dylan appears in. It's directed by his old mate, Dennis Hopper. Unfortunately, Dennis wanted to take his name off this movie and he went under the director's name of Alan Smithy, the pseudo name of Alan Smithy. But, uh, hey, it's an all-star cast. It's obscure. And if you get a chance or you can find it, watch Catch Fire. From 1990. Jodie Foster, Vincent Price is also in it. Yeah, Fred Ward is also in it. Bob acts himself and he's this has-been singer. A forgotten has-been singer that's been plucked out of jail. He's called back into action to headline this benefit concert for some kind of futuristic war-torn USA, which is some kind of social commentary uh Marson Anonymous is just full of it. Really. It makes you want to think it's a serious statement movie, but it's not. And we first see Mickey Rourke, well, at 21 minutes. Yeah, it takes 21 minutes before we lay eyes on Mickey and he's talking to Stephen Bauer, an incredible actor. And these two have a cool, very cool as a cucumber is the best way to describe it, chemistry between the pair. Then later... About an hour, hour plus into the film, we see him talking to Bob, Bob Dylan, about staging the show. Now, this is what I was talking about being piped up. Bob Dylan seems piped up in these scenes. The two of them are smiling. They're talking freely. The camera's following them as they move. It's immediately obvious that the pair are mates. They respect each other. And they're saying their lines, just walking side by side. The only time Bob Dylan smiles is when he's with Mickey Rourke. So there you go. He's not even hunched up. He is hunched. No, he's not hunched. He's up. Right. He's upright, is what I'm trying to say. Now, there's a final scene where we see Mickey Rourke. He appears at quite the crucial junction in a very important moment. Uh, It's towards the finale of the movie, the closing stanza, and he is announcing in a formal speech that the president is dead. Not, the president is dead, brain took him. From, do you know, Escape from New York? No, he's giving a speech, which we see in person, and then I think it moves to a television uh, broadcast of him announcing about a president dead. Who? Is supposed to be, is supposedly related to Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan's character. It's just ridiculous. This movie. The only time, and I've got to really punch home this, 
fact, the only time Bob smiles within this entire movie is in scenes with Mickey Rourke. Why didn't Mickey and Bob just do a movie together? Why dinner with Andre? Some kind of style of film where they're just talking for maybe an hour. How interesting would that be? You can imagine the stories. Bob narrates a little bit in this, and unfortunately he does it like one of his drawling folk songs. Which some may say that's appropriate because it's Bob Dylan, but narration bugs me at the best of times, and the last thing I want to hear is a scratchy Bob Dylan describing something or other about what's going on in the movie. How many roads must a man walk down before you call him a man? How many seas must the white dove sail before she sleeps in the sand? Isn't how many times must the cannonballs fly before they're forever banned? Thank you, Bob. That's enough. Answer, my friend. Please, that's enough. Is blowing in the wind. Yeah, it's blowing all right. Uh, unfortunately, that is blowing in the wind. And before that, uh, a song we heard a little bit of was My Back Pages. Both songs feature on the soundtrack of Masked and Anonymous, a movie I am trying to describe on this edition of Mickey Rock Talk. Now, you've got to really like Bob Dylan to get the benefit and most enjoyment from Masked and Anonymous. You can hardly understand a word he says, speaking or singing, as you just heard. Before they're allowed to be free. Oh, okay, okay, I could understand a few words there. What does Mickey wear in this movie? Well, an assorted but quaint and slick set of attire that I'd actually wear myself. Black pinstripe jacket, uh, he's got a black suit jacket, he's got a grey tie, he's got a purple tie at one point, he's got a couple of paisley shirts that he wears... All kind of weird mix and match, but it works. It works for Mickey. And something a little different in his appearance here is his hair. Look, sure, there's nothing unusual with its length. It's quite long. We've seen that plenty of times, but it's flowing. It's kind of curly or wavy, however you want to describe it. And guess what? It is noticeably clean. Not saying Mickey doesn't wash his hair. However, more often than not, most of the time in movies you can see... Mickey Rock's hair is in need, in, like in really in solid need of an emergency hairdresser. You can just see it in movie after movie. But here in Masked and Anonymous, it is bouncy, it's shiny and separated. It's not clinging together because it clings together sometimes strand by strand. No, not on this occasion. We just mentioned uh, Miami Vice little bit earlier. I mentioned it in the Legion discussion. Well, think Miami Vice, think hair, think Don Johnson. Flowing. That's what Mickey Rourke has here. I'm telling you what, it is... Well, Don Johnson, of course, was in Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man with Mickey. The movie may have or may not have been released in Australian cinemas. I would not have a clue. It's not documented anywhere. I guess I have uh, 
a chance to ask someone at Roadshow because it's a Roadshow release in Australia. I could ask someone who's been there, someone I know, one of the executives. He's been there for 30-odd years. He'd probably remember. However, I don't remember. I first saw it, as I mentioned, on my DVD. There was a VHS release, a proper DVD release. Pretty rare to find now, I think, if you want to buy a copy. Why would you want to buy a copy unless you're a Bob Dylan enthusiast? There's a great cast, and I'm going to talk about the cast in a second. And you know what? The trailer on the disc that I have said it was advertised to be released in July. Now, that's an American release. It was actually July 27th, which is in the middle of a USA summer tentpole period. Now, tentpoles are the big movie blockbuster season. So... Was it, was, were they going low-key? Were they going to put this out in the middle of summer thinking people might just go and check it out because it's different? It's unusual to say the least. High hopes for Bob Dylan and the cast involved, I guess, maybe they were thinking the cast were, were what were going to get this movie through. Director is Larry Charles. Uh, he's the writer of Seinfeld or writer of 20-plus um, episodes of Seinfeld. He also directed The Dictator, Bruno and Borat. Sasha Baron Cohen, triple feature there. And I couldn't stand The Dictator. Bruno's not bad. Borat's got better. Didn't like it the first time I saw it. I now appreciate its humour. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen is also a bit of a funny man. So you know what to expect when it comes to director Larry Charles. He's offbeat. He's offbeat and masked and anonymous. is definitely offbeat. Now, I mentioned the trailer before. Because the trailer is actually on the disc that I have. And as I said, it uh, was advertised to be released on July 27th, USA date. Also on the trailer, it shows a slew of the cast that are in this movie. Ed Harris is in the trailer. He has a cameo in this movie, unfortunately, in blackface. He's in mammy mode. He's not a mime. He's not a white face mime. His makeup is blackface with white lips. Now, this wouldn't happen now and shouldn't have been done in this movie. It's pointless. Uh, it's a quick cameo talking to Bob. I think it's meant to be an inspirational little cameo to give Bob's character some advice and to get him cranking before the big show. But... It's anything but inspired and it's embarrassing to say the least. It's not talked about though. Not talked about with Ed Harris being in this film in blackface. Maybe no one knows about it. Maybe the movie's being deleted from everybody's mind. Then there's Val. And I mentioned Val Kilmer's incomprehensible cameo here. He's talking to rabbits. And Bob pops, pops over, has a chat to him. And he's also talking to Bob at the same time he's talking to these rabbits without taking a breath. It's a dumb, uncalled-for attempt at comedy, and there's a lot of that during this movie. There's attempts at comedy that just don't work. And this is one of them. Now, people say that Val Kilmer's cameo in The Snowman was weird. Well, it's better than this one. The movie The Snowman is much, highly, top-notch, rated compared to masked and anonymous now i've spoken enough about bob dylan but here let's 
go as quick as I can through some of the uh, co-stars alongside Mickey Rourke. Now, they don't all share scenes with him, but these are the people that are in this movie. Get ready. There's some big names here and some cool customers. Jeff Bridges. Of course, we know Jeff Bridges from Big Lebowski, Tron, Starman. There's three of my favourites of his fabulous Baker Boys, How to Lose Friends and Alienate People. Now, there's an underrated comedy with Megan Fox, Simon Pegg. And he is in a movie with Mickey Rourke called Heaven's Gate. That is a uh, future edition, I promise, of Mickey Rourke Talk. Jeff Bridges, among other incredible films, also starred in Against All Odds, from 1984. Ah, uh, there's a little bit of uh, none other than the theme from Against All Odds by Phil Collins, who incidentally also had a cameo and was in one episode of Miami Vice. Now that is a song you just heard a bit of. Quickly hear a bit more. There you go. See, that is much better than Bob Dylan, if you ask me. Who else is in this movie? Well, there's a ton of incredible actors, including Bruce Dern, legend Bruce Dern from The Burbs, Django Unchained, The Hateful Eight. Yeah, those two Quentin Tarantino films. World Gone Wild. Let's not forget that from 1987 with Michael Paré. Jessica Lange is in Masked and Anonymous. She is in one of my all-time favourite comedies, and comedies are rarities for me to say they're good. They have to be good. And this one is. She's in Tootsie from 1982. Prozac Nation. Now, there's a movie no one talks about that Jessica Lange is in, and I liked it. Crimes of the Heart, directed by Australian Bruce Bresford. She's in King Kong, the 70s version of King Kong with Jeff Bridges. So there's a bit of a reunion there. And she has a reunion with John Goodman. They both starred in Sweet Dreams. John Goodman also has a reunion with Jeff Bridges because he's in The Big Lebowski. I like John Goodman. He's in this movie. He's one of the highlights, actually. He plays this sleazy-style publicist, but he's trying his best. And he's a good actor, so you believe him. John Goodman. He's in King Ralph. He's in Atomic Blonde. 2017, I love that movie. Good soundtrack too. Bringing Out the Dead, the Martin Scorsese film. He stars alongside Patricia Arquette and Nicolas Cage. Of course, John Goodman was in 10 Cloverfield Lane and Coyote Ugly. Oh yeah. Now there's a movie. He came to Australia to make a movie with Brian Brown, Tony Collette, Sam Neill, called Dirty Deeds in 2002. John Goodman, he is excellent. Not so excellent in this, but in other movies, is Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson, he's definitely not a tough guy, but he plays the kind of tough guy in this. doesn't really work out for him. However, Luke Wilson is brilliant in the Royal Tenenbaums. 
He's also brilliant in 310 to Yuma, a movie he stars opposite Christian Bale and Russell Crowe. Both 310 to Yuma's, the original and the remake, are incredible westerns, actually. And Luke Wilson, well, he appeared in Berlin, I Love You, from 20, made in 2019, and, uh, well, released in 2019, and that also stars Mickey Rourke. He's in one of the stories in that anthology. Penelope Cruz is in Masked and Anonymous. Her character's name is Pagan Lace. Now, that is a cool name. Penelope Cruz unfortunately appeared in Grimsby, but fortunately she appeared in Vanilla Sky, Bella Pock from uh, 1992. She was in a musical called Nine, which I thought was impressive with Kate Hudson and Nicole Kidman. That was out of 2009, I think. Yeah, it was 2009 from memory. And Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Penelope Cruz. Well, I'd watch Penelope Cruz open an envelope and walk across the street. She is brilliant. Stephen Bauer, as I mentioned, uh, she, he shares a scene or two with Mickey Rourke in this. He was also in Snapdragon, a movie with Pamela Anderson that I highly recommend, especially if you have the VHS copy like I do. Primal Fear, Scarface, Wildside. He was in that with Christopher Walken, Joan Chen, and Haish. There's a movie to look up if you get a chance, Wildside, Stephen Bauer. But the pinnacle for me when the name Stephen Bauer comes up is Thief of Hearts. Check it out. Great film. Watch it on Valentine's Day. Angela Bassett. She's winning a lot of awards at the moment at the time of recording this podcast for playing her role in the Black Panther sequel. She's brilliant in everything, though. She's got a small role in this, has a little uh, particular moment with uh, Bob Dylan, and, uh, yeah, she's good anyway. She's very young in this, but uh, you know what? Her appearance hasn't changed much as far as I'm concerned. She's brilliant. You can remember her awesome performances and ones that I recommend from movies like What's Love Got to Do With It, Supernova, that's out of 2000, directed by Walter Hill, or not directed by Walter Hill, you be the judge. Kindergarten Cop, Angela Bassett was in that, yes she was, and How Stella Got Her Groove Back. Now there is a movie. Christian Slater and Chris Penn pop up in this movie very briefly, They're kind of like a comedy duo, non-comedy duo, whatever you want to call them. They play electrical guys like roadies in this. Chris Penn, when I think of his name, among other films, but in particular is Reservoir Dogs. He's amazing in that film. And Christian Slater, well, the list goes on, but Heathers, of course, is one of my all-time favourite movies starring Christian Slater and starring Winona Ryder. Fred Ward is in this movie as a barfly. He's also in Remo, Undarmed and Dangerous and Shortcuts. Fred Ward is in a lot of movies. But uh, there's two that come to mind. Susan Tyrrell. Susan Tyrrell is in Masked and Anonymous. Can you believe this cast? Honestly, uh, there's still a couple more I want to mention. Susan Tyrrell, she's from Crybaby, the John Waters film from 1990. She's in one of those grindhouse, brilliant exploitation films from the early 80s called Angel and its sequel, Avenging Angel from 83 and 85. Cheech Marin, legendary duo Cheech and Chong. Cheech Marin is in this movie. He's also in Once Upon a Time in Mexico, which happens to star Mickey Rourke. Remember I mentioned that a little bit earlier? Yeah, of course I did. 
Well, okay, Charlie Sexton is in this movie. He's in FTW, or The Last Ride. That has two names, this film. The Last Ride with Mickey Rourke, or FTW with Mickey Rourke. Charlie Sexton is in Masks and Anonymous, and also in FTW, or The Last Ride. And we'll be talking about The Last Ride in a future episode of Mickey Rourke Talk. Tracy Walter is in this movie. Batman, the 1989 version, directed by Tim Burton. Conan the Destroyer. Malone has Tracy Walter in it. And The Octagon, a Chuck Norris classic, also stars Tracy Walter. And last but not least, Susan Trailer. Susan Trailer is in Heat and in Passion Play. Passion Play, starring Mickey Rourke and Megan Fox and Bill Murray. I'm going to be talking about that movie in a future episode of Mickey Rourke Talk. Passion Play actually is one of the movies that I'm really looking forward to unraveling with you on a future episode of Mickey Rourke Talk. I've seen it a few times now. Masked and Anonymous. Is this movie any good? Is it worth watching? So what's this all about? People are still dying out there. I just want to make sure it's not a ploy to weed out the rebels. Are you still a journalist or are you a novelist? Got nothing to prove to you. But I will tell you this, there is a story there. You got the money or not? Okay, listen, Uncle Sweetheart is organizing a benefit concert and you gentlemen will be paid in full. So why a benefit concert? How else do you get rock stars to do television? You either give them a cause or you give them an award. I got so much shit happening, man. I'm gonna turn this here thing into Woodstock, Altamont, and Elvis comeback special. I'll roll in one. Ooh, you're so spontaneous. I don't think Sting or Springsteen or Billy Joel or McCartney is gonna work out. So now tell me, are we screwed or are we not screwed? I have a surprise for you. You mean to tell me we wind up with Jack Fate? Well, Jack, nobody's more like it. You couldn't get anybody else, could you? That didn't even cross my mind. I could have you killed right now for the price of a cup of coffee and everybody in this room would turn the other way. It's all politics and money. It's the mother's milk of politics and we'll be raking it in. Well, there's some weird half-breed chair snooping around. I love her. I love his songs because they are not... That's a long time are you finished? We're all finished. Big stars, they like doing benefits, but only the benefits are held in places where they won't get shot at. What if I told you the Vietnam War was lost in the horror houses of Saigon? If you are to kill somebody, how will you do it? With a gun or with a knife? They must be scraping the bottom of the barrel. I might have a few songs left. Shut up. I can't. As long as I keep talking, I know I'm still alive. We're dealing with the here and now. You can't compare the here and now with the there and then. You want the world to be flat? It's flat. You want it to be round? It can be round. A crack in the mud at the bottom of a sun-dried dead lake. I count that more beautiful than any human being. You know what I mean? Ah, yes. The stage. The whole world's a stage. When I dream, my dreams become my reality. I wish I could live in my dreams. There's really only two races, workers and bosses. That's it. There will be no more stupidity. It's a new day. God help you all. 
Well, I don't know. Uh, does that make you want to watch the movie? Mm, I don't know. I, I, I think it's worth watching for the actors involved. As I mentioned, I probably only mentioned half of the people that are in this film. There are faces in here that pop up that you will recognise for sure. It's not really worth watching except, like I said, for completists of Bob Dylan. Or people like myself who just want to watch movies with ensemble casts, you know. Uh, there's Bob Dylan's posse are just going to be tuned out by me thinking it's a horrible movie, which it kind of is. It's pointless too. And there's a travelling Wilbury fan club. You know, those members out there, they'll be stoked with this movie. So good for them. The story of mystery all adds up to nothing. As mentioned, it's pointless. There's some kind of revolution. There's this future civil war. There's unrest. There's this benefit concert scenario. It's all dumb. It all just simply rolls up into a big roll of spin effects and then it's blowing in the wind like that Bob Dylan song says. I think John Goodman and Jessica Lang they have great banter together. Like, as mentioned, they're good. Uh, Jessica Lang is wearing a red ensemble at one point, in particular his red jacket, and that's irresistible. Penelope Cruz, well, she's flawless to me in all movies, so that helps. And in one scene, she's wearing a Metallica T-shirt. You cannot unsee that. It's a Master of Puppets T-shirt. The uh, the highlight probably could be, although he looks like he's just sleepwalking through the role, but he's still impressive. He's a grizzled Jeff Bridges. He's clearly the best actor here. He has on-screen presence. He's not taking the role seriously. I think that's obvious, but he's still terrific. Giovanni Rabisi, he's in this. I didn't mention him before. He has a scene with Bob Dylan on a bus. That's quite sad, actually. It's quite sad and it has a violent ending. Again, but goes nowhere. Uh, Mickey, well, final word on Mickey Rourke. He's commendable, that is for sure. He looks good. He looks sharp. He's a little bit arrogant in the film, but that's his character. And he gets a smile out of Bob Dylan. It's an extended cameo by Mickey, and it's a good one. But watch it at your own risk, masked and anonymous. Well, on that note, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Mickey Rock Talk. My name is Shane A. Bassett. You can find me on social media at movie underscore analyst. I have a YouTube channel where I interview actors and directors and musicians and all sorts of different entertainment people, gurus, significant people, people that fly under the radar, always interesting guests. You can find that on my YouTube channel, movie analyst Shane A. Bassett, or drop me a line at shaneadambassett at gmail.com. You can ask me some questions about movies, about Mickey Rourke, whatever you like. You might disagree and think The Legion and Masked and Anonymous are top 10 movies of all time. I highly doubt it, but you never know. Until next time, long live Mickey Rock. The president is dead. There will be no more stupidity. No more mistakes. It's a new day. God help you all.